Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we casually discuss the Animorphs one book at a time. I'm Casey. And I'm Alex. And we're here to talk you through the plot of each book. But more accurately, take you on tangent trips, factoid forays, and say, well, actually, as much as possible. Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month, and we'll take you along on our mission. And we promise to have you back under the two-hour time limit. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army. Hey. Hey, you. Hey, you. Oh, my gosh. Holy shit, we're back. We are. After what is... Probably, well, this will be even the leastest amount of time for the listeners, because there will have been two weeks in a row of episodes. Because we love you, audience. We like to spoil you. We want it, We want to spoil you with our dulcet tones. <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoy that. But man, how about them Andalite Chronicles? Oh man, that was out of control. That was completely out of control yes that was a mission where somebody put rachel in charge and we all know you should never do that unless you want to die exactly and that pretty much sums up recording the andalite chronicles we all died we all died (laughs) casey was a drunken mess in her chair sitting about three feet below the microphone at one point so yeah, and I mean, let's let's part the curtains a little bit. What we posted was two two-hour recordings. What we did was sat for six hours straight and recorded for six <laughs> hours straight. Oh, man. It was a marathon. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And we were so drinking. So we, we, and we were drinking, and I think we did almost die. I mean, we almost took Stephanie out. She had a headache and was dehydrated by the end of it. I'm not exaggerating, lying, or making it up. I did lose four pounds that day. Did you? <laughs> I seriously did. Between that day and the next day, recording Andalite Chronicles, I lost four pounds. Wow. It was a marathon. I just had an upset tummy, and I was drawing very dirty things in my sketchbook. That's all I remember. <laughs> that sounds like a pretty good day, actually. Hooray! <laughs> For everybody but Stephanie, who I just sent home with a migraine and dehydrated. But we survived. We survived. We survived that. And now we're back. Back to And everything's changed, and yet it's the same. Yeah. Lots of stuff happened. It's familiar, but not too familiar. But not too not familiar. Oh, the bam bam. The good boys. <laughs> God. I I just finished listening to the Adventure Zone balance arc again. Oh I think like last week. Holy shit, that was a good podcast, y'all. You should listen to that if you haven't. Ooh, which I'm sure you have listened to it, but do it again. And isn't that one of the ones we're related to on iTunes with it this is. podcast? It yeah. Is. Okay. It's a it's a solid recommendation. I that it um, it really did kind of towards the end of it have 
the same <laughs> well it was a really intense sort of feeling and a really intense sort of arc and I had the same like sad going away feelings I have every time I finish the Animorph series so oh, no. I really did it hard it, it has that it, it was more the grandiose feeling I think than like the depressing uh, feelings like sure. oh this insane arc just concluded in this way that makes me like sad and happy and like it's it's that ability to evoke that complex mix of emotions i think yeah. that not many things have the the bittersweet symphony. yeah exactly there you <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> right until you got to symphony i was like damn those, that's exactly what i'm talking about <laughs> hashtag the 90s hashtag i do hashtag the 90s every time we post these good oh my god speaking of the 90s Mm-hmm. I watched the new Jumanji movie Was a it couple good? nights ago. No. <laughs> Aww. Um, very different feel from, from the original, which we all treasure as one of the greatest movies of the 90s, if not of all time. I and think. yet another movie we have referenced on the podcast before. <laughs> have we? We did at the when um, they threw the Pamelite crystal into the or sorry when the dog oh, yeah. dropped the Pamelite crystal. <laughs> when Jake gave it to a no Marco gave it to a dog. Yeah, and we like were a like, dumbass. "There's a beach where all the evil shit washes up." The Jumanji board. Yes. Uh, I'm still upset about that. Yeah. And like, I want to defend his choices, like on some level. Like, I want to at least be able to be like, "Well, let's play devil's advocate." Blah blah blah. But yeah. I can't defend that. No. I feel like each of the characters has done one thing, at least one thing, that I am not even going to try and defend them on. I'm just going to be like, you're dumb. The end. I was, I could think of, like, what, when you said it, I started thinking of them. So, like, I'm just interested now. Oh, we could shit. trade, like, one for one. Like, I'll start with Jake, since he's the leader. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I hate to explain that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Um, I think morphing in his bedroom in his house while his parents and brother were there. That was so dumb. That was so dumb. I can't defend that. Huh. Oh, Cassie morphing that squirrel in a room full of predators. Oh, see, I was going to say Cassie swimming with the dolphins at night. Oh, yeah, that was pretty dumb. But but you could say Rachel flying to the gardens and getting in the cage with the grizzly bear and morphing the grizzly bear with no one else oh, around. Yeah, that was real dumb. <laughs> hmm. I I wanted to get to Rachel last because I was trying to figure out which one I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> so many things. There were. Where do I begin? <laughs> yeah, she she's impulsive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh Marco, what did Marco do? Marco the dog thing. Oh, yeah, the dog thing. That was a little reckless. And he ran out in traffic, too. Uh, Tobias, he's he's always putting himself in harm's way, especially in this particular book that we're oh, about to talk about. He did yeah. some dumb shit. Oh. And yet he did Axe? some great shit. Uh, Axe, when they said, don't eat the candy, don't get carried away, and oh, he proceeded to get... Movie? Carried away, yeah, and eat the and he assaulted a small child for their candy. <laughs> I can't forgive you. <laughs> uh, give me the brown globule. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this book, yeah, this book. Oh man, this book. Oh my god, our baby I was, boy. 
Yeah, I was so excited to read this book. And you were excited to visit Tobias again. So how was your visit? Yay! It was great. Um, very, very different feel from his first book, I think. Like some of the same topics, yeah. but this one was much less full of dread, I think. Like, I don't know. I feel like the past few books had been, you know, the normal amount of heavy, but mm-hmm. I don't, I, I feel like the balance between the humor and the the tragedy is much better now. Like the earlier books, I was just kind of like, oh God, my heart, these poor kids. But now I kind of feel like, all right, that's kind of terrible, but you know, at least Marco said this funny thing, you know? Yeah. I don't know. How do you, do you feel? Hmm. That, well, I, that made me wonder. Um, I like, I wonder if we're just getting used to it or because the kids are getting like more calloused to all the bad things that happen that it's less of an event now oh i'm wondering because it's not like things are getting any better if anything they're getting worse right Right. so but maybe they it's they're it feels less oppressive though but yeah i don't know if that's because we're getting used to it as readers and we kind of brace ourselves with every new book or if the kids are just kind of like oh yeah this horrible thing happened but you know worse has happened it's fine yeah and that's uh, a confidence or even like um like marco was saying in in the the, the dog book <laughs> where like the scar tissue is kind of healing over so they're moving on they're getting past it like it's they've been through this before so like the wounds are are just healing and they've you know like when you get a callus there's like kind of a layer over that now where it's not as bad now that it's healed up a little damn stronger damn <laughs> that was a weird way to say that that was good <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like, and I, I think this book in particular, um, just going back to your question to me, I, I think it was more balanced because, um, it was, Tobias was doing such a good and almost joyous thing. And mm-hmm. like, they were just so, the, the Hortbejur are just so simple and, and happy that this has happened. And it's their exultation at like, the, not to like spoil this book, which, we're about to talk about but like their escape is kind of like just created this sense of such joy for them and that's almost catching on in the animorphs as they go through this with them yeah that's i think yeah that's my take (laughs) totally yeah well Well, i'll start doing the play-by-play then so we can get further into that because i there's so many topics to cover here. <laughs> sure. Yeah, this go for is it. an amazing book. Yeah, it's really good. Oh, so good. All right. So, um, we open up with Tobias telling us about how he's basically a hawk now. And even though his friends are human, he, he feels pretty confident in being a hawk now. And, uh, he's really kind of becoming comfortable with himself. And that for that reason, because he's a hawk, he doesn't feel the need to kind of hide away like the other animorphs do. He's not as intense about security because you won't find him. You know, he lives in the woods, whatever. Yeah, um, this is where it felt very different from the other book. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Did, he's, was it he seems okay with being a hawk in this book. Wait, what? Did you think it was a disconnect or just... No, I mean, just because it's been a really long time since we've been with Tobias like I kind of expected him to be a little more comfortable in his current form yeah that's I think that showed yeah yeah oh how long has it been like what months (laughs) yeah 
been a really long time. I mean, he yeah. said it's just it's been less than a year at some point during this book, but it's been months. Mm-hmm. It's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, and like it, it even opens as part of this opening sequence. He's hunting, and he lands on the mouse and like just kind of nails it. And it, a couple times during this book, he talks about how like a job well done, even if the job is killing a mouse, is still satisfactory. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's just kind of comfortable with himself. Aw, character growth. Yeah, and it's character growth that happened behind the scenes because we weren't in his head, but I don't feel like it was a disconnect at all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that's where we open, and then he goes flying around talking about how awesome flying is, and I wrote, lucky bastard. (laughs) So, um, he kind of checks in on the Animorphs one at a time, and I loved this natural open here that, like... Because, you know, normally we do our our run-through. But this yeah. one, it was like he was flying over, and he saw Axe first in the woods, and he kind of, like, said hi and checked in. And then he flew towards the school, and he saw um, Jake there, and Jake was falling asleep. And he gave this really funny image of, like, you wouldn't believe that the savior of the world or the person you put, like, that the whole world's fate rests in his hands is, like, falling asleep in his math class with, like, sneakers and a jacket. <laughs> so that was funny. Um, and Cassie was there with him. She wakes him up. He goes by Marco, and I loved this so much that Marco, he saw that Marco was talking, and then the class started laughing, and even the teacher who, like, then, like, made this face, like, she didn't want to be laughing, and she was, like, exasperated, but then she laughed anyways. And that was, like, such a perfect way to, like, describe Marco without describing him. Yeah, I think, yeah, she did a really good job describing all three of those kind of characters. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, Jake, who's kind of, like, longing to be normal kid instead of leader of this Vandalites group. And then Cassie, who's the helpful one, who's, you know, trying to keep everybody, you know, in line um, in, like, her nice way. And then Marco, the, the jokester. So that I, I really liked the natural opening, too. Um, kind of showing us rather than being like, this is Marco. He's the class clown. This is Cassie. She's the nature girl. Like, I really like being shown that. I totally agree. And I love that you said that because I didn't even, like, make that deep of a connection on Jake and Cassie. And then when you said that, I'm like, duh. Like, that's exactly what she was doing. But it was just so, like, natural and flowing that, like, I just, like, I got that. And, like, I moved. Like, I didn't even realize. She's fooling my brain. Damn. (laughs) That's awesome. That's such a, this is why the writing is just so incredible in these books. Sidebar. I feel like I've said that so many times. Yes, sidebar. Is is this our first recording since you met her? Yeah. Oh my god, this is, is our it? first. Yeah, it feels like so long ago cuz so much has happened. Do you feel it different? Wasn't. I yeah, you know what? Let me put my notes aside for just a second, and let's talk Catherine Applegate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because... I suppose we could have saved this for the end, but... No, it's going to happen right now in the middle of our opening. <laughs> okay. I don't know. We don't... I don't sure. know. It's informal. It's fine. Yeah. It's informal. It's an informal discussion. Plus, like, you know, we did kind of bring ourselves out of the, the it a little bit to talk about Catherine and, and how wonderful yeah. her writing is. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so I got the opportunity to meet her 
God, it was probably only like a couple weeks ago, but seriously, it feels like years. Like literally so much shit has happened to Casey and I in the past few weeks, but I digress. She, um, I went to a book signing. She was doing it for her new book that's coming out, Endling, which I also bought. Have not read yet. I'm sorry. I'm really busy reading Animorphs. I can't do that yet. She's going to kill you now. well right she's also gonna murder me but um (laughs) i bought endling it looks really good from the little chunks i've gotten to read through it's it's the same incredible writing we've come to expect and love but Mm -hmm. um i brought animorphs books and i was like the ninth person in line or whatever so like i'm standing in a room with like you know 80 people behind me that are like wanting to get books signed and say hi and they are all children basically and then there's me and I walked up there and I put Endling down and stacked on top of Endling was three Animorphs books or two Animorphs books. I wanted three, but I took one out at the last minute because I felt like I was being too selfish. <laughs> and I like just plopped him down on the desk and she saw the Animorphs books kind of like tumble out past Endling. And she was like, I knew from your age right away that you were here for Animorphs. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And I felt so embarrassed because like I am so bad at meeting people and she like and also I was starstruck I mean this is a woman who I have like been in my head I have loved her characters and everything inside of her mind for over for almost 30 years basically (laughs) or like 20 some odd years so it was like I was totally starstruck so I went and um and we started doing the signing things and I was trying so hard to hold it together. I was like, oh, my gosh, I, I like, love the book so much. And, you know, these are so wonderful and blah, blah, blah. And um, I was like, it's it's really, like, weird, like, how like or I didn't say weird, but I was like, it's really, like, crazy how much of this kind of informs me. I'm like, I, I, I have an Animorphs tattoo. I do a podcast. Like, I was just, like, babbling at her. But, like, everything I said, it was like, she's like, you have a tattoo? I'm like, oh, yeah. And I showed her. And, and she was like, I love that. And she gave me a hug. And she's like, that's incredible. She's like, I like, it's so, it's like, it's just, you mattered. It was like, that's, that's amazing. She's like, it's so simple and blah, blah, blah. She's like, I, I love it. She's like, I, makes me want to get a tattoo. And I'm like, oh, get the same one if you want. Kind of thing. I'm like, I don't care. And she's like, I want that tattoo. I'm like, get it. I don't care. You know? obviously it's yours and uh and then she's at some later point i was talking about the podcast like oh yeah we do like uh my friend and i do a podcast we love it so much and she was like what's the podcast name i'm like oh it's anonymous and like we moved on and then at the end of our conversation as i was leaving she goes wait 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 let me write down what your podcast name was and i was like oh my god she's actually gonna listen which is really embarrassing i'm so sorry if you are listening and you made it to this episode i'm so sorry but i love you so much (laughs) (laughs) She'd have to make it through Chronicles first. That's clearly not happening. But, um, yeah, and, like, she was just so sweet. And I told her, like, hey, I worked in animal rehab for years because of Cassie. And she, like, that's when she, like, was, like, oh, my God. She jumped up, gave me another hug. And she was, like, that is amazing. She's, like, like, Cassie's my character. Like, she, that's who I relate to. That's, like, my girl. And I'm, like, I know. (laughs) And uh, so, like, we, we literally ended up talking for about five minutes and, uh, like, I, I even tweeted this at her later. I was like, I never, like, I was so excited to meet one of my heroes. And, and I, I think this fandom is probably the thing I've loved for the longest amount of time. And I was like, it was so incredible to meet somebody that you've loved for this long. And not only did they not destroy your expectations of meeting someone, yeah. but like she was so caring and so engaged and she made time for me. Like I never felt like, 
she was just trying to rush me through and sign something and like I have you know a hundred more people to go through like it was she would have stayed I felt like she would have stayed and talked to me all day if that's what happens like if we got off on topics and it was so incredible and wonderful and she's an amazingly sweet woman and hearing her talk about you know animorphs and and endling and everything like it it was so cool to get inside her head and she's so good with children which (laughs) was like crazy because i'm like oh yeah like i was their ages when i was reading animorphs like Mm-hmm. This would be her talking to me when I was a kid. Like, that's crazy to me. So it was just a very cool experience. Um, I proceeded to immediately afterwards get into the car, not drive anywhere, and scream at Casey for half an hour straight. Yes. yes. I don't know that you talked at all. I think I just no, yelled no. at you. <laughs> it, I was... I remember minute- when when you told me that you told her about our podcast, I was like, oh my God, is she going to listen to our podcast? And I would have said no, except for the fact that before I walked away, she stopped me and had, like, she made me, like, sounded, spell it out, whatever, so she could write down the name of it. And I was like, oh, shit, she might actually listen to this. <laughs> and um, I I hope, even though sometimes we're, we're critical and, and we, you know, joke and stuff, I hope yeah. it really comes through how much, like... yeah. I truly love the series, and I think I, I I hope I'm not overstepping and saying that you're starting to to love the series. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Oh, awesome! Because I was, and she did ask at one point. Um, this was the moment where it fell off the rails for me, and I thought, okay, now I'm insane fan. She asked if I had forgiven her yet for the ending, and I said, and I'm gonna. This is the exact tone I used, the exact voice I used. I said, I tattooed it on my body. <laughs> so um, that's about where it fell off the rails for me. And then I did, as I was leaving, say like something like to the effect of, I feel like every life choice I made can come back to Animorphs. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, fuck, I've crossed a line. I'm no. horrible. And that's when I escorted no. myself out. I'm like, no. enough. Oh, enough no. now. <laughs> like, <laughs> cool love actually. It did just cool love actually. That's amazing. Son of a bitch. <laughs> oh my god. And it's perfect because I, of course, look a lot like Andrew Lincoln, but um, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's it's perfect because it's like my, the person I've loved forever. And that was my, my love letter of cards and telling it's carolers and i just threw cue card after cue card of how much i loved animorphs at her and then i'm just like to myself enough now this is a great (laughs) metaphor it it was weird (laughs) (laughs) but yeah she's so like i i can't even express how wonderful of a person she is and it it was like honestly the most incredible meeting any like famous person I've met that I've admired for a while, like she blows them all completely out of the water. She's incredible. Yay! So that's my middle of the intro, Catherine Applegate <laughs> rant. Oh, I don't know. But it's amazing! I'm so glad yeah. you got to do that. Like that's a once in a lifetime sort of opportunity. Yeah, it it the cards all fell into place at the right time um definitely it they really did and i am like just 
amazed that I was able to do that. And I wish I now completely unprepared, of course, I wish I had the name of um, who it was that told me about it in the Animorphs group because he was able to go and see her like in Atlanta or something like a couple months before. And um, he was the one that was like, she's on tour right now. You guys, you should check out where the cities are. And like I'm like pretty close between two large ish cities. But um, she came to like a small town near me that's like hella close. And I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, like, let's let's do this. (laughs) Like. She's right in my backyard, basically. And then she had her, um, like, sister-in-law or brother-in-law or brother and sister-in-law, something like that. They came out, too, and that's when they're like, she lived here. And I'm like, of course she fucking lived here. She's lived everywhere. I should have known. <laughs> like, I'm an idiot for thinking otherwise. But, yeah. No. It, it was just so cool. She's so incredible. I might yeah. move this to the end. I might edit this to the end of the podcast. Oh. <laughs> or the beginning. Uh, no, you know what? Fuck it. We'll leave it. Who cares? But yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. But yeah, she she's so incredible. Yeah. And I'm glad that I've... I'm sure you're glad, too, for your headset, that I've modulated my voice now to talk about it in normal human tones instead of high-pitched dog whistles. <laughs> no one would be able to hear that. <laughs> Except for Marco yep. in his ill-fated dog book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's my that's my Applegate story. I love it. It was truly incredible. And if anybody ever has the opportunity to meet her, I so highly recommend it. I can't even tell you. So. Yay. 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 And I I will check back in later if I ever get a chance to read Endling before this podcast is over, which, God, I hope I do. (laughs) But, um, yeah, if I ever get the chance to read that. I'll, I'll check back in. Or maybe, you know, we'll end the podcast a few years down the road and I'll just uh, one day update it like three months after we end it and be like, so let me tell you about Endling. <laughs> uh, yeah. That so could that's be my one story. Of our, uh, that could be one of our, oh, our yeah. other podcast episodes. It maybe could I, be. that. I could get it too. I could get it too. We could both read it and then we'll do a review. We should. Um, yeah. We should also give ourselves a really long lead time on that because it is a very, it's not at all like Animorphs. It's a very large, dense book. Okay. So, but yeah, we cool. should because it really does. Like I've skimmed like through the book and, and like, you know, just because I was sitting there and she was talking about it. So I was like reading parts of it while we were doing the whole thing. And it, it really does seem really good. Uh, and one of the characters is like a magical fennec fox. <gasps> Aww. Yeah, so it's up our alley. That's great. Yeah, it's wonderful. And it's all about species extinction, which, you know, yay. It's an important topic. Yeah, it is. It is a very important topic. Well, speaking <sighs> of people going extinct. Right, okay, so um, back to reality. Whoa, there Whoa, goes, there goes gravity. gravity. <laughs> Um, so <laughs> Tobias is, he checks back in with all of the characters, as we were saying. The last one he sees is Rachel, who is, um, going to the gymnasium, which is not attached to the school for whatever reason. Mm. So, um, she, like, walks outside through the doors, and he asks her what she's doing, and of course she can't respond. So, like, she gives a little wave. And also, the sorry, I don't know why this stood out to me, but he described her, like, small wave as it was just, like, two fingers twinkling. <laughs> And I was like... I was like, that's weird. It's weird, but, like, you could picture it, right? I guess. Okay, I got a very, like, like 
intense reaction to that particular descriptive word. I was like, I can, I know exactly what you're talking about when you say twinkling. But yeah, it was a little weird. I, but was she moving? Like, I pictured her kind of pick, lifting her arm up and then like waving them both up and down at the same time. But I don't think that's right. I think because she was like carrying, well, this is my, what I pictured. She was carrying her binder. So I imagine she was just like, she had one hand on it and she just kind of like lifted two of the fingers and did like a quick, like little like jazz hands wave kind of. Sure. I don't know. (laughs) Spirit fingers. Spirit fingers wave. I don't, I don't know. Anyway. I, I just thought it was a great descriptive word, but also very weird. Yeah. But yeah, so, yeah. So she does her wave. Um, and then he, she opens her folder so that uh, he can see the note that she's taking to, like, the gym for whatever teacher. Um, but he also notices another paper in there saying that she's won an award and there's going to be a ceremony. And I never once wrote down the name of the award. I just know it was for being an outstanding student. I had something like that in uh, K through 8 school. It was student of the month. I was nominated oh. a lot because I'm really awesome. We had that too, um, and then you got a bumper sticker saying like my student is in, like yeah. on in the month. Yeah, yeah. So I got a that's... little ribbon too. Aw, yeah. I never got it, so I don't know. <laughs> oh, it's it's dumb. It was middle school. It it was bad. Obviously, I just told you guys how my math teacher berated me for being dumb. I clearly did not get an award for anything. <laughs> so. She should have yeah. gotten an award for being horrible. A PhD in horribleness? <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing. Uh, anyway. That was all I could think of. But yeah, so um, he sees the, the award, and um, he kind of has this moment. It was one of the few times we, well, few times. It was one of the times that we flashed back to him being like, I kind of wish I was human for that. Because I, that's something Rachel would invite everybody to and be excited about. It's also kind of foreshadowing. <laughs> but yeah. So um, he's, he's kind of torn between that. And then he tells her about how he's taking out the pool entrances and he invites her over for flying. That might be out of order. But um, he, he invites her to come flying so he can show her like where, what he's staked out. Um, and then he goes like meandering around for a little bit it kind of cuts to him like looking at other stuff and then he sees her flying towards him as an eagle and he goes and starts showing off and like hot dogging around because he's <laughs> more nimble so that's pretty funny rachel pretty completely nice. ignores it <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like they're on a bird date and he's like trying to put the moves on and be all cool and then she's just kind of like whatever you're a dork yeah pretty much oh that's a that's so much that's so adorable, though. I know. I like their little bird dates. Yeah. They're dating and they don't even know it. I think they do because the next thing he says is they have a Romeo and Juliet situation on their hands. Yeah, but he said that internally. Like, have they have they said the... the I, but they have kind of. Like, when they were going to die in the third book. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Rachel, I never told you. And she's like, I already knew. Yeah, and we speculate that they said it in the fifth book, too. Um... Because that was the one where Marco was alone, and he could tell that Jake and Cassie were saying it to each other, and then we were speculating, like, oh, probably he didn't notice this, but probably Rachel and Tobias, too, were having a a conversation between them. You know, so, I was thinking about Avatar The Last Airbender the other day. 
As you do, yeah. As as one does. Right. Um, and I was thinking about when I think Aang kissed Katara during the eclipse invasion thing. Yeah. And and then afterwards he was like, so we sort of kissed and I kind of thought we were going to be together forever, but we're not. <laughs> and she was kind of like, I there's just a bunch of other shit going on right now, so I I'm I'm, I'm not ready. So yeah. I kind of wonder if. Like, I wonder how it went down with the Animorphs, if it went down like that, or, I don't know. Well, I think in this situation, it would literally be like, well, he's a hawk. My girlfriend turned into the moon! (laughs) Um, That's rough, buddy. (laughs) But yeah, in this situation, it's literally like, he's a hawk, so nothing can ever come of that. So you think, like, they said... Hi, by the way, I love you, and I'm only telling you this because we're about to die. And then they just never addressed it again because they know nothing can happen? I think so. Okay. I think so. And remember, too, I have knowledge of the future and kind of insight into, like, what Rachel, kind of her thought process. So it's not a spoiler, per se, but I think that at this point, what I think she would be thinking is something like that and you know tobias is very much in the same line of thought like even Uh through you know he's he's always like well i'm i'm a hawk so you know yeah but it'll be interesting to see how things develop going forward (laughs) wink okay wink nudge okay so bird date it was great Bird date it was great um, he's going to show her the car wash where the is another entrance to the York pool. And they were like, that's ingenious. But then they're by Cassie's farm. And Tobias is like, man, I zoned out. Like, that was bad. Um, so he course corrects. They're going towards the car wash. Now he's going to show her. And then they're by Cassie's farm. And he's like, wait a minute. And Rachel goes, are you lost? And he's like, no. <laughs> no. But he's also like, this isn't right, though. Like... I know where I'm going. And then they see a tree skate by like it's on a skateboard and a manhole cover open up in the middle of the forest and Hork Bajur coming out of it. As you do. So, as you do. You know, those forest manholes. Those are the most Very dangerous normal. kind. Very normal. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so, the Hork Bajur come out of there and they are stunned at what they're seeing. And it's just a Hork Bajur blinking in the sunlight and then it's closely followed by another one. And as they're kind of standing out in the open, Tobias and Rachel don't really know what to think at first. And then the alarms start blaring and the hork take off. Pretty soon after they leave, people come pouring out of this manhole and they're like, ah, no biggie, they'll never catch the hork But then the dirt bikes come out. God, it got very Mad Max. Oh my God, it did. And like two people to a, to a dirt bike so that one could shoot and one could drive. Super, just... Oh, I loved it. I love anything Mad Max. So I was just like <laughs> picturing the fucking like war boys with the explosive spears just like screaming after them. Oh. What a lovely day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. What if this whole division was thought up by like one Yerk that was super into the Mad Max memories that his human had? And he's like, you guys, I have a great idea. Or... I mean. Wrong Maybe time. George Miller read Animorphs and found this, <laughs> like, 
this, this scene and was like, oh, I want that in my movie. <laughs> oh, we'll see that. They and they have a dependence on a particular source of something that uh-huh. is hard to find. Yep. Oh my god! So oh my god. I believe what we just proved here is that Mad Max is an Animorphs fan movie. Heck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome! And super strong female leads. Uh huh. Uh huh. It's happening. Oh god! This is it. It's amazing. It is amazing. And they drive trucks badly and sometimes crash them. <laughs> <laughs> it's proven. That's solid. <laughs> the similarities. It's too coincidental. It is too coincidental. The similarities are endless. It is literally the same series. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, God, I love this. Oh, so, okay. Well, that's going to have to be one of our side podcasts now is the Mad Max cast. Fuck yeah. I, Madcast? Madcast. I'll, I'll talk about that for, for the rest of my life. I love that movie. Anyway. All right, perfect. You can walk me through the Mad Max movies. We'll switch roles. Cool. All right, got it. Look out for that podcast. <laughs> okay, so um, what is happening is Hork Bajura running. People are doing their Mad Max thing on the bikes and uh, taking off after them. And Tobias and Rachel are kind of like, what do we do? Like, what's what's our responsibility in this situation? Um, and it's Rachel, of course, that says, have you ever heard the saying that a friend of my enemy is like my fr- or an enemy of my enemy is my friend? And Tobias is like, well, I guess that means we're saving the hork <laughs> So they do. They go off after them and they're trying to decide kind of how they're going to save them. So they originally start giving them directions in their heads like, OK, we can see how this battle is playing out. We can see where the, the motorcycles are. And they're like, go left here. There's a large pile of rocks. Turn right at the rocks. And they realize very quickly the hork cannot figure this out this is way too much shit to be throwing at them they are a simple and kind species (laughs) not good at directions um and then they're like okay we're gonna have to like get intense here and tobias just like in the most occipiter like move of all time dives into the forest and is dodging high speed through trees and saying follow me so they're running after him while he's like dodging left right up down around the trees which is a very very specialized skill that red-tailed hawks are not particularly good at but tobias i'm willing to forgive this one because he has a human brain in there so a slight advantage a flight advantage he rolled advantage on this particular So, yeah, but I did write that he's occipitering as best he can, and occipiters mm-hmm. are the hawks that are specialized into this, including the goshawk, cooper's hawk, sharp-shinned hawk in our area. Anyways, there's other occipiters and, and birds that are adapted to this. Harpy eagles are another really cool one, although that's <gasps> My different. My favorite. Your babies. My favorite babies. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. Tobias would not be very good at this, but, you know, whatever. We're going to let it go. So he's uh, careening around. He's leading them through. And then he's like, we could go through a river, but I don't know if they can swim. And I don't, I didn't write down if it was Rachel or Tobias, but one of them goes, like, chop down the next sapling you see if you're able to swim. And it was apparently, like, instantaneous. Like, one of the horkfishers just, like, shrink and, like, chop down a sapling. And so they're like, <laughs> all right, we're good. <laughs> what if it was a coincidence? What if they just happened to chop down a sapling at this point? Or what and if they didn't they know what, like, river. swimming was, and yeah. they were like, we'll figure it out, right? Yeah. Oh, God! <laughs> and they drown. Yeah, that was a potential thing that could have happened here, for sure. Yep. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah. Anyways, they're going. Uh, and then they realize that the Yerks have mobilized a helicopter and trucks as well, alongside these bikes. And so they peel off and do the only thing that Rachel and Tobias would ever agree to do. No other Animorph would agree to this. They're like, we're gonna fucking take down these guys with shotguns riding in the back of a truck as birds of prey. Hooray! It's foolproof. Yeah. It's foolproof. And, uh, so they go in and they fucking take out these guys with shotguns. They, like, got so close that when they fired off a blast, it missed by, like, an inch. And they knock them out of the back of a moving truck. Like... They died. Those controllers died. Wow. For sure. Like, yeah. for sure. Um, and then what happens is as the truck is going forward, they knock the guys out. They're all like, yay, we did it. But then the Horkbizier cross paths with this moving truck. And the one in the lead jumps it, clears it. The other one gets totally nailed by the truck. And uh, Tobias just goes, you got to run. You got to run. But then the Horkbizier turns around and goes, my wife. My wife. And it's shocking. I literally wrote down, my wife. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's that's... like, what? Wife? Yeah. And everybody's like, what, wife? You you have a, a wedding structure on your planet? <laughs> that was my thing. I was like, I mean, yeah. it, he, it was probably just the word that they had heard. It's probably not an actual descriptor of, like, the exact ceremonial things. But that sure. was, I don't know. Why am <laughs> I explaining it, this partner. to you? <laughs> <laughs> they have live-in boyfriends as well on the hork planet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Anyways. <laughs> so, yeah, that's and that's end of the chase scene right there. They cut mm. it. The one hork is gone. The other one is looking for his wife. And they're like, well, fuck. They do get the one away that's looking for his wife. Yes. So, Rachel Tobias call a meeting in the barn about what the fuck just happened. (laughs) And this whole scene, this whole chapter, there's a lot of conversation that happens as usual when they're in the barn. They're throwing around ideas of what to do. They're talking about, like, you know, they're not, they're no Stephen Hawking's, and, you know, Axe is explaining who Stephen Hawking is, blah, blah, blah. But what we need to take away from this is that Marco was freaking the fuck out the entire time. Ugh. His running commentary through this whole thing is Marco like, do they go goo-goo over babies? Do they put makeup on their wrist blades? Do they paint their disgusting toes? Shut up, Marco! Literally every stereotype until he gets to, no, no, guys, the real question here is, do they get all grossed out by bugs and snakes? And that is when Cassie literally takes a snake out of a drawer and throws it at Marco. (laughs) (laughs) And... He gets the point. <laughs> um, it's probably not great for the snake to be thrown like that, but whatever. I thought that too, but then I was like, no, it's totally worth it. Yeah, okay. Snakes probably bounce. They're probably, you know, they're mostly flesh, right? Yeah. Just I mean, bounce it's bounce off the ground. I'm sure it's fine. Well, I'm sure it hit Marco and it kind of like wrapped a little bit and like kind of tumbled gently to the ground. Okay. Cassie's not like whipping it. She, yeah, I don't think she like grabbed it by its tail, like, like gave it a couple it loops. A times. <laughs> and, like super like whip snapped it really fast in his head. Oh God. <laughs> no, I, I got the impression. There was no, there, no snakes gently. were harmed in the making of this scene. <laughs> That's the disclaimer at the beginning of the book. Didn't you read that? Page oh, one. Oh, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No snakes were harmed. 
in the making of this. I mean, mice were. Yeah, lots of mice. Um, lots of mice. That bobcat didn't fare so well. No, he did not. He did not. Um, the raccoon got away unscathed. That was yeah. good. Yeah, he's okay. Yeah, the skunk got a hell of respect. Yeah. <laughs> I think another bird got Draken beamed, which isn't cool. But... Yeah, an unnamed bird. Not the Swainson's yeah. hawk. So that was good. Yeah. Yeah. In any case. Yeah, in any case, that was that whole chapter. Um, and, and how it ends is they collectively decide to ask that they're going to go ask the hork what he wants to do, which was a really cool moment that kind of leads very nicely into this next chapter, which I'm about to go into a ton of detail about because I think it's so important as a message in this series and such a cool interaction as well. Um, so they go out to meet the hork because they're going to ask him what he wants to do. And uh, Axe and Tobias are kind of the ambassadors of their species to integrate the first free hork in who knows how many years. Mm-hmm. So they're going to go into the cave. They warn him, like, we're coming in. But as soon as he sees Axe, he slashes at him because all he knows is fighting the Andalites. That's yeah. all he knows. And there's some insane historical talk that's so cool about like how Axe is going like we want to help you and he's going no you only kill us and he's like no we my people tried to help you and the Horcruiser goes you failed and it was just like holy shit yeah but it's still incredible this interaction um so after he slashes at Axe they order him to to come out of there um and they have Rachel and Cassie kind of flying over and Jake and Marco and Battlemorphs just in case but this really only is a verbal thing that happens. Mm-hmm. So um, he, they keep calling him the hork and he goes, I'm not the hork I'm Jerahami, which is Jeremy, <laughs> apparently, is what Marco Jeremy. hears. <laughs> yeah, but Jerahami. And um, I'll keep pronouncing it like that so you guys don't think I'm saying Jeremy, even though I think... Jerahami. Jerahami. Yep. But he goes... Um, you know, the, he's talking about the Yerks and talking about... And it's very simple, too. It's very, like, I, I'm not quoting directly. I'm kind of talking in my voice, not his voice. Because he's his sentences are very broken and they're very focused on subject. And, and they're not really intelligent. But he starts talking about how the Andalites kill him and they and they cut them, blah, blah, blah. And, and he goes, no, it's it's the Yerks. We're after the Yerks. We're not after you. And he says, the hork are just caught in the middle of this. We don't want to, like, you know, kill anyone. Um and then they ask him, how do we know you're not still infested? And he cuts his own fucking head open to show uh, them his brain. Uh, that's some saw shit. That's so hardcore. Uh. Yeah, and it's and the whole time they're like, he's in tremendous pain. Like, oh my everything God. is horrible and it's disgusting. Oh I know, right? <laughs> and he has iridescent blood, which is another thing that's really cool. He's so pretty while he shows them his own brain. Look at this beautiful blood. Yeah. And then he kind of pushes his head back together and holds it for a second. And the blood just immediately starts coagulating. And Tobias says to Axe, if that's, he asks him, did that scare the pee out of you? Or are Andalites <laughs> used to this sort of thing? And Axe replies, I am as peeless as you, Tobias, my friend. <laughs> I'm getting that tattooed on my body. <laughs> God, please, That's please! The greatest quote of the Animorph series so far. I am oh as peeless as you. 
I need you to get that tattoo. I need it so badly. Oh my god. I've never needed anything more in my life. <laughs> Don't encourage me. I need you to. Oh no. Oh, that's so good. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, so anyways, after Jarrah Hemi says that he, um, or proves that he's not infested, he says that he is strong, but he needs help because he needs to get his wife because he is, and then he doesn't have words for it, but he makes this gesture of something being broken inside of him, and they all get that he means heartbroken without her. And in that moment, that's when the Animorphs are like, okay, this guy's good. And um, what... My question for you is, what are your thoughts after this interaction? About... About hork The poor babies. <laughs> well, like, especially, you know, as the book goes on and kind of talks about, like, what their blades are for and what their, you know, mm-hmm. natural kind of nature is. Natural yeah. nature. Um, like, I knew oh what you meant. Oh, my God. That's just, like... I see them in a whole new light now. Um, yeah. Like, I I feel so much sympathy for them. This, I, I mean, everybody kept saying, like, oh, they were a peaceful race that were enslaved by the, the Yerks. But we never really see that until now. Um, and the fact that they have, like, love for each other... Um, I, I think I felt a little more sympathetic finding out that hork have husbands and wives and they have, you know, love for each other. Um, mm-hmm. It didn't feel the same way it did when I found out that the Yerks could love. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. It's it it sweet. And, and I, I definitely view the hork differently now. Me too. I just feel bad for them now. Yeah completely it's this is they're totally being used and i i think there's a lot more to talk about there like as this goes on and then also once we get to um later this year we'll be getting to the hork chronicles and it's oh, yeah. really that series is is a mind fuck <laughs> or that book is a mind fuck for sure a so. mind fuck. yeah it's so good though but yeah that was I, this is really I love this interaction. And as the ambassador of his species as a hork um, Jarrah Hammy is just incredible. Like, what a great character. And again, in this book, with the show me, don't tell me, this was a yeah. great moment. <laughs> yeah, and I think the other thing about the hork that makes them more sympathetic is the fact that they aren't geniuses. They are so simple-minded. Yeah, but Absolutely. Just because they're not, you know, at the same level of intelligence as, like, the Andalites or the, the Pemelites, they're still, they still have the emotions that make them very relatable. Yeah. And I, the other part of that is, um, the, they have all the emotions and everything, but also they're never, um, the Animorphs never don't accept them or... I mean, Marco kind of mocks them a little bit, and they all, I mean, I'm sure they all get a quip or two about how simple they are, but, like, Tobias just, they're, you know, by the end of it, they're friends. They're his friends, and he never, like, looks down on them for being simpler and slower than the human race or the Andalites, and 
it's probably almost a relief in some ways to like find out this is what the hork are actually like because every other alien interaction they have is tense or miserable. It's Visor yeah. 3 or it's like the Andalite, um, the guys that are answering the phones, you know, the military. Like, it, it's just, there. It's those interactions are so intense and this one was just like intense but in a different way and it turned out so wonderfully. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, those were my... That's, I guess, my feelings on this. <laughs> but we'll move on. We'll move along to continue this. Um, at, right after the that Jarrah Hammy kind of wins their trust, Cassie warns them that the company is incoming. And this company is Yerkes and hork and they're hunting him down, which is terrible. So they're trying to figure out what to do and fast. And Tobias says, you know, if they're looking to chase a hork then we can give them one. And this plan that he has come up with, he knows, like, this is a good plan, but it makes him sick because he's suggesting that one of the other Animorphs morph this hork and become the bait and run into the woods and distract them from Jarahami. So um, he just feels awful about this because he wants to be the one to do it. He doesn't want to put his friends in danger, but it's a good plan. And Rachel volunteers. Which makes it worse for Tobias. <laughs> yeah. Um, Axe does ask permission um, from Jarahami, and he immediately grants it because he basically just says the Yerks are the worst. And so Rachel lands, they make him turn around so he can't see that she's a human, and she demorphs, and she's trying to reassure Tobias with like looks and like, you know, it'll be okay, like kind of things that this is fine. But Tobias is just gutted. Like, he feels so bad. And uh, when she finally does end up morphing the hork they have, like, moments left. Unfortunately, Rachel and Jarahemi do launch into a ritual that neither of them seems to be able to control. That includes bellowing and slashing at each other and, like, basically near misses. So, yeah. And... These guys are not far away. They for sure heard this go down. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, finally, Rachel kind of gets control. After they do the ritual, she kind of comes out of it and is like, oh, well, that I don't know what happened. That was a little weird, but okay. Um, and so she's like, all right, back to the plan. Let's <laughs> fucking, run. Fucking, you know how um, albatrosses do that little like mating courtship dance thing? Where they, yes. like, scream and then they clack their beaks together really fast. Yes. That's that's what I was thinking about. <laughs> that's pretty close. I mean, they do touch horns and, like, scream at each other. So, that's yep. pretty freaking close. There you go. I like the part where they stood up on their tippy toes to try to see who was taller. I oh, so cute. That is so cute. Yeah. But, yeah. So, um, they once Rachel does get control, she's, like okay, let's do this. And Tobias is, of course, still feeling so awful that he decides he's going to land on Rachel's horns and ride her into battle. The fuck? This isn't the first time Rachel's been ridden into battle. Uh. <laughs> it's just the last time was, like, Megamorphs won. It was a while ago. Yeah, when she was melting. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, she she goes running, and she's going to distract everybody while they hide Jarahemi. 
And Cassie warns them that they're running into a trap because she's still up top watching while they're maneuvering through the forest. And so Rachel changes direction, heads the other way, but trips and kind of tumbles Tobias into some bushes. He's a little stuck, but she cuts him out of there. And when he kind of pops up out of the brush to like go and land on her horn again, he gets like completely pulled out of there. He misses her head entirely and he's trying to like get back to the battle, but he is just slid way the fuck away. And he's like, oh my God, this crazy force is working on me again. (laughs) And uh, he gets pulled to another battle where the Animorphs are not. And in this other battle, it's Visor 3 demorphing from a human, and he and controllers and other hork are surrounding another hork And this one, Visor 3 refers to as Ket Helpak. And this is the female hork Jera Hammy's wife. The wife. My wife. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not funny. I need to stop that. <laughs> uh, so Tobias doesn't know what to do he feels really helpless he's like i can't sneak up on an andalite i can't i don't know what to do and then he goes well maybe there's one thing i can do this is the swainson's hawk territory and i think i know where he roosts most of the time so this is like a one-shot deal and i have to get super duper lucky and uh he does he dives at the tree where the swainson's hop hawk normally is roosting and basically just rouses him out of there because tobias is screaming and like saying i'm gonna take over your territory basically in hawk body language and sound and uh so the swainsons comes out to defend its territory which it would probably run in real life i don't think it really defend it too hard but um he comes out this distracts visor three enough that tobias is able to kind of backtrack around and swoop in and he says to cat Hellpack, get ready to bolt and then rakes Visor 3, gets in a lucky shot, and they both take the fuck off. Sorry, Lauren. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I always forget. Yeah. Yeah. My yeah. scars are that the minute that you say he's Visor 3, I completely forget he is a sad Andalite man person. <laughs> sad Andalite man. <laughs> sad Andalite sad his man son. and his son. <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, I die every time I hear that description. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the funnier things I've said, I think. I don't know. You, you've got a lot of gems. Cool. <laughs> uh, so um, Tobias gets away with Ket Hellpack, and uh, they do loop back to where the other Animorphs are. They've been through their battle, and they do still have Jarahemi. So they reunite the hork and it's very sweet like they they can't hug because they're full of blades but they like they hold hands and they touch Aww. horns and it's so Fuck. sweet so cute yeah it is so cute so they like shove them in a cave together to hang out and <laughs> tobias is like i'll guard them for the night like i have nothing else to do and axe is like i, I mean sure me too and then the kids are like what the fuck do we do with these giant goblin monster aliens (laughs) um so they talk about what to do and it's cassie that makes the connection as always that they're basically endangered species these are the only free hork pretty much in the galaxy as far as we know Mm -hmm. and so they gotta take into a preserve and tobias immediately sees this place in his head that he's like i know the exact place where they have to go it'll be perfect i know we gotta do it the only problem is he has never seen this place before or been there. So someone put this thought in his head. 
And that's not a good thing in Animorphs land. Nope. Nope. Um, so Tobias, it cuts to Tobias in the tree outside of the cave. Um, I mean, they're guarding them, but they're not really guarding them. They're just kind of hanging out in case, you know, they, the simpletons bolt into the bushes and they need to be like, no, you can't do that, please, for the love of God. <laughs> babysitting um, them. You're babysitting them, yeah. It's the Hork Fisher Babysitter's Club. Oh my God, I'd read that series. Oh my God, me Holy too. Holy shit. Oh my God. I would read that series so hard. Jesus. So, Tobias is babysitting the hork Right. Tobias is babysitters clubbing the hork <laughs> <laughs> Um, So he's hanging out, and uh, he's talking about how uneasy he is at night and how he rules the day because of his excellent vision, his excellent hearing, and that when it turns to night, that belongs to the owls. And, um, and then... Axe comes along, and Tobias starts talking about how that comforts him because he at least has someone to talk to, because the other animals in the forest don't talk. And uh, they're just talking about how they heard the hork talking earlier, and what does this word mean, and they're not really sure. And um, then Tobias goes, hey, Axe, do, does something ever pop in your head that like you didn't know before? And Axe goes, well, sometimes I remember things that I forgot. And he's like, no. <laughs> No, <laughs> not like that. <laughs> Which, good job, Axe, I guess. Um, he tried. He did his best. He tried to relate. He did. He did try to relate. Um, and there's another comment in here, too, about, like, Tobias making a joke. And he goes, it's funny because it's the opposite. And Axe goes, ah, I understand. And Tobias goes, he didn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> the narrator, he didn't yeah. understand. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <sighs> Yeah, so Axe is doing his best to relate to Tobias, and um, Tobias is like, no, not like that. And then he starts telling him about the valley, how he's like, I've never been there, but like it, I remembered it, and I, I know how to get there, and I knew we had to take him there. And then all of a sudden, he's like, there's Taxon hunting us down, and he gets a vision of Taxon crawling through the forest, like sniffing them out, and... Axe goes, how, how do you know that? Those are tracking taxons. Those were genetically modified taxon. And and he's like, I can't tell you how I know that. I just know it. This is what I was talking about. Like, we got to get out of here. And uh, they they do. Tobias goes to lead the hork away, and Axe takes off to go find Jake. Yay. Hooray. Hooray. Um, so Tobias is leading the hork through the dark, and he was hoping they would see so that he could kind of guide them but also like you know they're not all tripping everywhere but unfortunately they they can't really see in the dark and and tobias as he pointed out could not really see in the dark either <laughs> um so jerahemi asks at one point where they're going after they stumble around for a while and tobias is really irritated and he's like i i don't know i guess the voice in my head will tell me where to go and then jared like tries to relate he goes ah there there is a voice in my head he told jerahemi to run with ket Helpeck. and like it it's he susses out eventually that they got free like the yerk went back into the pool to feed and a voice in their head said to grab her and run and so they did and it kind of guided them out of the yerk pool and which that's, is, and that which is what, which is interesting because when I read it, I thought the Yerk had told them to run, and I was like, "Oh, rebel Yerks!" But maybe that was me misreading that section. Yeah, I think he said it was after the Yerk dropped out of his ear. Oh, okay. I think so. I don't totally remember, but 
I believe it was meant to be like the Elemist in his head. Damn it, Elemist. I knew it was you. Yeah, it's always the Elemist. <laughs> yeah. So Tobias, after hearing this and putting two and two together, he's basically like, well, we're not going anywhere. And Jerahami is like, well, what about the taxon? And Tobias is like, fuck him. And he crosses his wings in a pouting manner. He does, and does a little shoulder, like, humph. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. That's what he does. And uh, sure enough, the Elemis is like, all right, the jig is up, and, like, transports him into, like, middle space, where he's floating as a bird-human hybrid creature thing, which is (laughs) cool, but, like, it's also pretty funny. And Tobias even says in the book, like, I don't think you're going to be able to picture this, but... (laughs) This is what it was. So and look at the cover of this book. That's what it looks like. It's kind of like that, but all at the same time. Uh. Yeah. So he the, he and the Elemis go back and forth a bit with the Elemis saying, you know, I gave the humans a chance a while back, and I think, you know, you need to return the favor to the hork basically. And he tells Tobias that he is the start of the possibility for something new. He could be the person that created this new thread, and Tobias is like, I do not want to be wined and dined right now. You're going to fucking pay me if I agree to do this shit. And the Elemist agrees to pay him. And here we get our genie in the bottle cliche. So, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> he negotiated a higher salary. He basically negotiated a higher salary. Damn. So, like do you what what did you think of this interaction like did you know immediately upon reading this that it was going to be one of those like you need to be 100 percent clear with the genie what your actual wish is kind of a deal um i i didn't call that particular aspect at that moment but there were a lot of points in this book where i don't know if i subconsciously remembered from when i read it you know like 10 years ago Mm -hmm. um or if, like, just the hints that were being dropped were transparent enough that I was able to guess what was going to happen. So, like, right. I'll bring up later, like, what exactly I guessed. But in that moment, I didn't, like, I kind of went, like, oh, shit, he wants to be human again? And then I, that just kind of spiraled into a bunch of questions of, like, well, they've been kind of bringing this up in past books. Like, does he want to be human? But his human life sucked. So does he want to be a hawk? But, yeah. But... As far as, like, the details of how that all went down, like, later in the book, I mm-hmm. I think I guessed those pretty accurately. Yeah. And so that, that brings up another point that I meant to ask you about that I don't think I wrote down, but, um, so you, I, I was never sure if you remembered that Tobias does eventually get his morphing abilities back. Did you remember right. that? Like, I... when we started out? Hmm. I don't know, I don't think I thought about it, mm-hmm. um, because really when I'm reading this books, I'm trying to just like take them at face value and apply that to what I've already read. So I'm not, I'm not necessarily trying to guess what happens in the future all the time, yeah. but as soon as, spoiler alert, as soon as he does get his morphing abilities back, like then my brain kind of goes like, oh shit, he's a hawk, but he can morph, will he get his human morph back? How does that happen? oh my god, he's going to be a hawk, but he can be a human sometimes, and blah, 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 blah. So, like, I, I, I guessed that all that was going to happen. Yeah. So. Yeah. And they don't try to, like, 
play that out either. They're like, yeah. by the end of this book, they're like, we have set the rules down. Yeah. And these are the new rules now. Oh, he's like Cinderella. Yeah. Aw. He has Aww. till the stroke of midnight before he turns back into a hawk. Aw. Baby. Baby. Anyway. Yeah. So, anyways, I was I was just curious because I, um, I was really excited to read this book. So I'm like, oh, you're going to be like, totally shocked that he gets his morphing abilities back when we read this book but then like when we started reading it i'm like you know she has read these books before <laughs> like some of them and i'm like and i feel like that's a point that you would remember like i it just seems to yeah. me like i was like you probably know um so i didn't remember that but again enough kind of hints were dropped like as soon as i knew mm -hmm. that the elemist was involved and then the, tobias started negotiating i'm like okay i think i know where this is going yeah and that's kind of why i brought it up now because i think yeah i mean yeah i think now we we can guess where this is going yes but it does not happen yet so right forget so you just heard all that, all that. Yes. <laughs> for now for another 10 to 15 minutes let's just sure. retcon that <laughs> But yeah, so um, they're all stumbling through the Force of Night, blah, blah, blah. He meets the Elemist, and the Elemist just basically says, like, all right, I'll pay you, and then, like, plops him right back with the Hork Visitor, and it's basically like, if you complete this mission, I will pay you, which, I mean, that's how transactions work, so fair, yeah. but yeah. So he stumbles through the, the forest all night with the hork all night in the dark, and when morning comes, the hork are exhausted, and Tobias is exhausted and hungry, and so the minute it starts to get light out, Tobias goes, do you guys want to take a break and eat? And the hork are like, oh, thank God, and they basically stumble to the nearest tree and just start stripping the bark and eating it, and they offer Tobias some because they're polite as fuck. And, uh, <laughs> they're, they polite are. Polite as fuck. They're so polite. So they offer him some, and he's like, no, I, I don't really eat bark. And they say, well, it's not as good as, like, the trees at home. And then they're like, oh, but this is this is good bark. Like, Oh, it's, my God. They're, I know. Babies. They're, they're so Stop. wonderful. They're so sweet. They are. They're, like, they're afraid that they affronted him about their bark choices. Oh, my God. Like, I've said more offensive things, like, a hundred more offensive things in the past five minutes. <laughs> Oh, they're just, they're so wonderful. Da, da, da. All right, so they are they are eating the bark, and um, Tobias watches them eat the bark for a minute, and then he has the realization, like, oh, my God, those blades aren't weapons. Those are for harvesting bark. And he was like, holy shit, like, these, these people are so peaceful. Those aren't even for predators. And he asked them, he's like, you don't use those to defend yourself? And they're like, no, we don't fight. We don't defend ourselves. Like, we don't have to defend ourselves. There's there's nothing that we have to fight against. They're like, we just use it for eating barks. They're like, our wrist blades are for this type of bark. And our elbow blades are for, like, making notches. And our, our shin blades are for, like, the bottom of the trees. And he's like, holy crap. This, like, these people are the peacefulestest. They're so, the sweetest, they are purest the sweetest. babies. They are so pure. The purest species. They're cinnamon rolls. <laughs> Aww. Oh, but then Axe would love them. Oh, right. Axe would consume them. Axe would eat Body them. Body and soul. <laughs> he would. <laughs> oh. So, um, anyways, after Tobias watches them eat, he's like, I I'm going to go find something to eat, too, because I'm starving. So, um, he goes out hunting, and he's totally caught up in his own head about, like, 
well, what's it gonna what's it gonna be like when I get my human body back? And I wonder if I'll get my morphing powers back. And oh, I hope I get my morphing powers back because I still want to fly. So like, he's still like you know obviously kind of wants to be a hawk. But yeah, he's debating all this in his head and uh, is really distracted, which is always helpful when you're hunting. Right. And uh, yeah, it's actually really not. He goes to drop on a rat, but he hits an air pocket and gets kind of tumbled away. So he lands on the ground next to some brush and bam, gets batted away by a bobcat. So he's now in a life and death like standoff with a bobcat, which, you know, that sucks. He's going to lose for sure. But he has his human brain. So the hawk keeps trying to fly away and uh, he's like, nope, nope, nope. He grabs a stick in his talons and when the bobcat finally does lunge towards him, he just brings up the stick and pokes him right in the eye. Aww. I know. And um, Tobias takes his opportunity, kind of flaps off. The bobcat is hot on his trail when, bam, a taxon slams down on top of the bobcat and eats him in one weird-ass bite. Aww. Yeah. This never would have happened to Fluffer McKitty. No, Fluffer McKitty would have fucking murdered all the taxons. <laughs> all of them, not just that one. No, all of them. Every all single them. one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fluffer McKitty, the hero. The dark hero. The dark hero. Fluffer <laughs> McKitty is not the hero that we need, but he is the hero that we deserve. Oh my god. Um, so Tobias is winging his way away from this whole scene. He's hungry now. He has almost been eaten by a bobcat. Everything is terrible for Tobias right now. Kind of the whole book, actually. But uh, he sees a peregrine, and he's kind of like his normal like bird mode of, it shouldn't bother me, but also I need to be careful because he might bother me. Um, and then luckily it turns out that that's Jake and sure enough he starts looking around and he starts seeing the other birds coming up like you know converging from the distance Mm -hmm. and um, Cassie says hey Tobias we were talking and we were thinking that there like might be a bigger force at work here because of the whole thing and Tobias just goes he's like if it was anybody else I'd go like no duh but because it's Cassie he just goes yeah yeah it's our friend the Elemist and um (laughs) And that was it. Like, there really wasn't anything like, oh, this is a great revelation. They were kind of like, oh, yeah, that motherfucker, whatever. Okay. Um, so they drop in on the Horkbizier, and uh, they have the argument, do we reveal ourselves as human to these Horkbizier? And they have this amazing moment where Tobias goes to the Horkbizier, and he goes, what would you guys do if you were to be recaptured? And both um, Jarrah Hemi and Ket Helpak, they gesture emphatically that they would literally split their own heads and kill themselves before they would be recaptured. And then they start screaming, free or dead. And I think it's Rachel that's the one that immediately takes up this cry. And the rest of the Animorphs kind of follow suit. And Tobias half-heartedly, Marco very, very half-heartedly, I'd say quarter-heartedly, like he's not into it. But they're all like chanting, free or dead, free or dead, (laughs) which is amazing and um then they do they rachel starts like she had demorphed at this point and the horkbizier were very surprised and they think they were laughing because it was so unexpected that these were humans and not andalites and then they're all chanting free or dead and tobias tries to explain to jerahemi that he is a hawk that can't change and jerahemi does not get it he's like yeah i was a controller but now i'm not so i can change and tobias is like oh, okay he's just not getting it whatever it's fine 
So, um, this whole scene happens, and of course they're chanting free your dead, but, like, you know, the Yerks are hot on their tails, and, uh, so they, they take off, and they're parading through the forest as humans and hork and Axe is kind of running up front and clearing the path and making sure nothing's coming ahead. Marco is complaining, and Tobias kind of hears a little bit of the conversation as he's doing the aerial surveying to make sure nothing's coming up from behind and nothing's going to surprise them. Um... And Marco's kind of like, why are we walking? My, like, my legs hurt. Everything's horrible. And Cassie's like, but we're out in nature, so everything's wonderful. We're breathing fresh air and enjoying ourselves. And Oh, God. That yeah. sounds like when Matt and I go on a hike. I'm Marco. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, why would I agree to this? And oh. he's Cassie. And he's like, but we're out in nature. Yay! And then he pushes me up the hill. And I die, probably. That's pretty much exactly what happens. Yeah, and you're like, why can't the Elemis just transport us to the final <laughs> destination? Why can't we just take the eagles to Mount Doom? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I mean, they could, they could fly right there. It doesn't make any sense. Okay, Sorry. I'm recovered. I'm recovered. <laughs> okay, so they're parading around the forest like idiots. And um, Tobias <laughs> is like, he's like, oh, these guys seem to be doing okay. And he sees an opportunity to grab a mice, to grab a mouse. And he goes for it. And he gets it. He's like, it was the perfect hit. It was wonderful. This is the part where he says, like, you know, a job well done, even if it's catching mice is, is you know good um but as he's eating he starts like he he's satisfied whatever he's done eating he gets airborne again and uh he realizes there's helicopters coming out of nowhere so he starts flying back as fast as he possibly can he's using every trick he knows to try and gain speed and altitude and make it back there but you know it's helicopters it's it's gonna outrun a hawk and uh he's like screaming at them like you know this is coming blah, blah, blah. And he gets too close to the copters, and the backwash tumbles him down towards the ground, and he slams into a branch, and he breaks a wing and tumbles completely to the ground. And that's where he sees his doom, which is a raccoon. Yeah. Yeah. Raccoons. That's how it's going to end for Tobias. The forest is not his friend. Actually, this is really interesting. I Sorry, this just occurred to me, so this might be nothing, but let's try it. Um, when he's thinking about being human... And he's thinking that he's not going to be a hawk anymore. He totally lets his instincts go, and the forest starts kicking his ass. Interesting. This, yeah, this is like the inverse of the last book, where he like had to let himself go as a human to become a hawk. Well, it's the same. He had to let himself go as a human yeah. to become the hawk to be able to survive in this environment. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, this whole book has been very much like him trying to balance the hawk versus the human. He has to use the human part of his brain to get out of certain situations but if he stays too long in the human side then he fucks up yeah huh which is the exact warning that the elemist gave him right that's interesting like i i don't know why that it's the same conversation we had in book three but it's a totally different meaning on the same conversation Mm-hmm. it's interesting yeah oh well Anyways, a raccoon is going to kill him and eat him. 
Um, so he's being dragged away to his death by his broken wing, and the raccoon uh, is going to run him under icy water. And he mentions um, a really cool fact, which I did not look up, but like it sounds like obviously Catherine Applegate's very good at doing her research and will retcon things that are wrong and, and has a lot of factoids. So I hope this mm-hmm. is true. Have not looked it up, so no guarantees, audience. <laughs> But um, apparently the reason that they run things under the water is not to clean them so much. It's because it helps their sensitive hands feel things. So it's easier to, like, feel out when they're sussing apart an animal or something like that. Hooray. Hooray. So that's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Seemed really cool. So, yeah. um, So he's dragging away to the icy water, and Tobias knows exactly why he's going to do that and is, of course, very concerned and as he gets in the water, um, the Elemis kind of chimes in at that point and says, would you like your reward now? And Tobias goes, yeah, now would be a good time. So the Elemis is like, okay, it's done. And Tobias goes, nothing was done. done. Yeah, I know, it is done. And a nod. He crosses his arm, <laughs> it is done. Nod. <laughs> and you hear it, ting. Um, yeah, so Tobias rages, though, because nothing was done. He's a hawk in the water. The raccoon still has him. Absolutely nothing was changed. And the Elemis goes, the Andalite gave you the power to morph. Use it. And that's when the terrible realization dawns on him that he won't be human. He has his morphing powers back, but he's not going to be a human. And uh, it, at this point, he rages, calls him a liar and a cheat, but then he's about to be eaten by a raccoon, so he turns his attention back, he acquires the raccoon, starts morphing into it, and the raccoon's basically just like, this was more than I signed up for, and takes <laughs> off. <laughs> I am no longer interested, I will see myself out now. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> exactly. Classy as fuck. Yeah. It's not a dumb raccoon, this is... This is a smart raccoon here. <laughs> uh, so um, he he takes off in the raccoon morph now because, you know, the original raccoon has seen himself out of the building. And Tobias <laughs> is like, I got to get to my friends. He takes off running and he just keeps going like, this is not fast enough. This is not fast enough. And he's like fighting the urge to like take off. He goes, I need altitude. And he's like, but I'm a raccoon, but I need altitude. Um, and that's, uh, you can tell here how inexperienced he is with morphing because he finally remembers, oh yeah, DNA doesn't track injuries, so I can morph back to myself and I'll be totally fine. And it's like, this is something that by book 13 and the 15 books we've gone through so far total, all of the other animorphs have down pat. They know this. (laughs) So it was just, um, it was funny. It was almost like nostalgia within a nostalgic book. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Tobias does morph back to himself and takes off and wings it towards his friends. And as he gets airborne and gets above the canopy, he sees that all of these helicopters are moving against him, all the people on the ground, and they're setting a trap by starting a forest fire coming in one direction. And he sees that that's when he sees the hawk come out out of the trees and they drake and bean him down and kill him. So he see he is kind of like looking for his friends trying to like stay out of the way and he sees axe first and he says to axe like hey it, is everything going fine axe is apparently totally nonchalant about everything going on right now <laughs> um and he says yeah they're all here and so he goes okay nobody morph anything that like flies because they're just zapping animals that come up above the treetops so don't do that and um everyone's already in battle morphs 
Rachel approaches him as a grizzly bear, and Tobias just, like, at this point, like, throws his proverbial bird hands in the air and is like, I hope you're Rachel, because if you're a fucking bear, I've had a really bad day. <laughs> like, He's so mad in this book. He is so mad. He's the fuck up. He is. And, like, I, I mean, I'm sure that this is, it's extra concentrated right now because of what just happened with the Elemist, but, yeah, it it's... It's pretty intense. He's pretty pissed. Also, I'm pretty sure he's hangry. Oh, right? yeah. He is. A, I mean, he had that mouse a little while ago, but, oh, right, you know. Right. He's also, he doesn't have any morphing stamina right now. So remember, like, one morph was a big deal back in the day. And he's just yeah. done, you know, his one morph. Yeah. So it's it's crazy. Yeah, he's, he's probably hangry. He's been almost eaten by a bobcat and a raccoon. And the Elemist didn't give him what he promised. And now there's a bear approaching him. And also nobody can fly because the Yerks are closing in on them and setting a forest fire. So they're also going to burn down his home so he can have like a Free Willy 2 moment where they contain the oil spill. <laughs> I, I hope you know where I'm going with this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so they contain the oil spill. And like, you know, the, the girl Nadine was like, but you don't understand. It's not going to be okay. Nothing's okay. This oil, this is my home. You get to go away. But, like, the otters and the birds. Uh, mm-hmm. But, unfortunately, in this scenario, it's not solved by ripping a pocket off of your shirt and handing it to her. <laughs> because nothing is always that simple. Jesse. Jesse. So, <laughs> um, so, this is kind of the second book in a while where Tobias has had kind of a first hand in the action. Yeah. Um... And I feel like he gets really stressed out and really kind of snippy yeah. when he's stressed out. Because, like, in, in Jake's book, um, the most recent Jake's book, when he was in the action, he was just, like, snapping at everybody and he was, like, not handling his emotions well. Um, and this, we're kind of seeing that again in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, like, I'm not... I'm not condemning that. Like, I understand. No, yeah. I would probably be the same way. Um, but I just I just feel like he has his way of handling stress, and it's very different from the others. I don't know. I See, I, I agree with that, for sure. Um, but I don't know that it's... Like, it's similar to... He's kind of like a step towards, like, what Rachel is like, where she gets really yeah. enraged... But yeah. he's the step before that where she gets mad, but then he doesn't, like, turn it into, like, a full-blown, okay, yeah, but now I'm gonna... Yeah, go over the edge. Right, exactly. He kind of, like, holds himself back. Like, okay, but I'm not, like, that intense about it. Right. He's, like, he's like us in the way that he'll just bitch about it to, like, other people, but then he won't actually, like, do anything about it. Sure. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with that statement. He gets very snippy and very stressed, and I don't think it ever changes. Like, that's kind of him in that scenario. Yeah. And it's a very fallible trait, fallible human trait. Yeah. And maybe I'm just pointing it out because um, we haven't seen it before recently. Right. It it adds something to their missions where um, I think before we were seeing, like, a very... We, we talked a lot about how it's a cohesive team and how they work well together and Jake really knows how to handle them. And Tobias is really the outlier that, like... I mean, Marco mm-hmm. jokes and Marco complains, but you always know it's, like, covering up how he's nervous. Whereas yeah. 
Tobias never covers it up. He's like, no, fuck this. I hate this. This is the worst. Like, <laughs> he's just very open, whereas the yeah. others aren't. That's. I think this goes back even to, like, arguing that Tobias is almost more of an emotional center than Cassie is because Cassie will sometimes use that emotional intelligence to manipulate to get what she wants. Whereas Tobias is just emotional overall. Mm -hmm. And like even earlier in the book, he, he said to Rachel, like in the first couple pages when they were flying together, like it really matters to me what you think of me. And then he goes, Oh shit. I like, that was too open. That was too much. Like even he knows he's not overly emotional, but very open about his emotions. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I just, like, mansplained it to No, 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 no. Something you already told me. This is our podcast. We mansplain Animorphs. That's true. We did say that we did that. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's... I don't know. I, I think you're right. <laughs> is what I should have said and then not explained any further. Nope. <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, anyway. yeah, anyway, so they're, they're, Rachel comes up on him, and uh, Tobias basically says, like, here's what I saw. There's a, They're starting a fire this way. There's enemies moving that way. Um, but I have kind of a plan. As they're talking, they're, like, saying, well, they're, they're not going to stop until, like, these, these Hork-Bajur are dead. And Tobias goes, well, okay, I have a plan. If they're not going to stop until these Hork-Bajur are dead, then let's give them two Hork-Bajur. And... Rachel's like, oh, yeah, like, I already have the morph. And Jake goes, okay, I'll morph the other one. And Tobias just goes, no, I'll do it. And everybody is silent for, like, 30 seconds staring at him. And there's a couple precursory questions from, I believe, Cassie and Rachel, like, wait, no, you can morph. Yeah. You're not a human. No. And they're, like, varying levels of shocked and outraged. Mm -hmm. And Tobias is like, but there's no time for this. Like, let's do this. And I wrote, um, Tobias is a full-fledged member of the team, pun intended. But Uh. but Uh. he's not a human. Um, Right. And so I was interested in what was your, what were your particular feelings on this Elemist action when you were reading it? Like, were you outraged as well? Or were you kind of like, well, you have your morphing powers back, buddy. Like, that's cool. Uh... I would say ask me again at the end. Okay. Because I have oh. thoughts that tie into other thoughts. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was I was curious to, like, I'm, I was asking because I'm curious to know, like, as before, technically you would know, like, he got his human body back. But still, we'll, we'll keep right. going. Okay. Yeah. So, Tobias acquires the hork And uh, we get a very intense description of what it's like to morph them, especially because Tobias is, again, not used to morphing. So this is, like... A totally new thing and um rachel actually takes a moment before they charge off into their battle and distraction plans and whatever to say like hey are you okay and tobias snaps like i'm fine i'm fine just go kind of a thing and um i i to your point he's he's snappy he is very snappy and it was just a dynamic that i appreciated because ways that Rachel and Tobias interact are different than how Rachel acts with any other Animorph. (laughs) So I point it out because I'm obsessed. Well, and going back to how Tobias reacts to things, like we've seen him react to 
you know, difficult things with kind of a dry humor. Mm-hmm. You know, like at the beginning when, when he found out that Rachel was nominated for this thing and he couldn't come, he was just like, oh, hey, you know, I saw you were with this thing, you know, like, that's cool. Like, I don't mind that you didn't invite me, but like, just, you know, don't feel sorry for me. And, you know, mm-hmm. he'll, he'll kind of play it off a little bit. Yeah. And then in situations like this, he's just like completely like, like, fuck off. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It's very, it's very multifaceted and it's interesting. Oh yeah. And it's, it's so like, just to add to your point, like it is so interesting because like, it's so human and it's so, it's so real. He's not an yeah. idealized character. This is a huge flaw. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. It's so believable. Yeah. But yeah. So, um, just to continue on to this point, because the next scene, like, plays into this as well, the, the taxon are approaching, Rachel and Tobias are about to take off, and Jake's playing Tobias's role of being the lookout overhead and kind of directing where they go, which, um, is really interesting because that's very much how a general would do it, or somebody, like, in charge of a military team would do it, and it's kind of weird to think that up until this point, that was always Tobias's job. And that he was feeding Jake the information and passing it along, but this is Jake's first time playing the major general, kind (laughs) of. Yeah, and he's he's actually struggling with it a little bit. Yeah, he is. He's not as good as it. He can't... He's not as good at it. Um, He can't put together the full picture as well as Tobias can. Right. Which goes back to, like, him having to decide with his gut instead of his brain. Mm-hmm. like book 11 so yeah so it, it's it's very interesting it's an interesting dynamic and um and tobias even sasses him right away saying like oh it's easy for you to say when you're all safe up there and it's like yeah. you berated yourself for this for so long why are you doing it to jake <laughs> yeah and i'm also like you wanted to be the hork yeah you you really wanted to be the hork you volunteered for this like yeah. why are you bitching <laughs> yeah seriously um, yeah, it's just crazy. But yeah, so they, they're gonna go, um, and the taxon are approaching. Jake warns them, hey, the, the taxon are on your tail, basically. Um, you just, the rocks ahead, they're on your left, and they're like, we can't see any rocks, and he's kind of like, oh, well, I guess to you it would be, like, vines or something, and they're like, <laughs> okay. Um, and the minute that Tobias lays eyes on the taxon, he's like, let's destroy them. How dare they come into this forest? How dare they do this? And Rachel like grabs him and talks him down and says this isn't the plan and tobias goes like screw the plan we don't need a plan and rachel's like no dude we need a plan and then she goes your anger at the elemis can't be directed to this and that kind of cuts through the black rage that tobias has and he's like oh shit she's right like this is i'm mad at the elemist i'm not mad at this which this is so interesting. This is not something I would have expected from Rachel. I was fully expecting her to be like, yeah, you know what? Fuck the plan. Let's go fuck those guys up. Yeah, me so, too. Oh my God. Like the fact that she did that, I was just like, whoa, Rachel? Yeah. Is that you? And the, I mean, the other side of this is that she's never in the other books been super in tune with Tobias's emotions. Like when he kept asking her to like, please stop like showing up in the middle of the night and like scaring the shit out of me. She's like, I don't mm-hmm. give a fuck what you need. And like, you know, Rachel, don't go to the gardens alone. Ah, oh, fuck that. Like she's never been, she's in tune. She cares. She wants to know she cares for him, but 
she's never had that like intuition that she did in this moment with him yeah so it was a super interest interesting reaction and like yeah i totally i mean even though i've read this before i was like whoa she didn't go into battle and like i know she didn't but every time i read it i'm still like damn (laughs) (laughs) so it was it's super interesting um But that, that minor delay did cost them a lot. Like, Rachel bringing him out of that cost them time that they didn't have because the Taxon didn't attack them because they could cut them to ribbons and never think twice about it. But the hork warriors are on their tail now. They're, they're alerted, and they're after them. And so Rachel and Tobias take off full speed to try and escape them, but they have to cut their way through the forest, and it's slowing them down just enough that the, war, the hork warriors are catching up to them. And uh, it... It's just very weird because they're like, Jake, what do we do? And he's like, oh, they're going to catch up to you. And Tobias is like, find an angle, go along the angle, find a ravine, find a gully. Like, Tobias is still directing how to yeah. escape through Jake. Um, and they do, he says, okay, like, there's a there's a gully. What's the difference between a gully and a ravine? I don't know. And he's like, just find a fucking ditch somewhere. And Jake's Jeez. like, okay, a ditch. I got that. And so he does. I loved, I loved this whole scene. The, yeah. the fact that Jake, who is, you know, understandably struggling with this because he hasn't really done it a lot before, mm-hmm. but the fact that he was, like, struggling and second-guessing himself and Tobias is just like, shut up, stay calm, do this thing. Yeah. It really, like, it, maybe it does show how good the team is because, like, they're, it's such a niche role. Like, Tobias played that role so well. Yeah. That he had to, for himself, get into the battle to, like, to rectify his his own, like, how bad he felt about sending Rachel in earlier. He had to become the Hork-Bajur to do this with her for himself, but mm-hmm. he really needs to be Ariel. He really needs to play that role. Otherwise, yeah, they're weak. Strength. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Was, and the, I love this scene, too, because... On top of all of this and all of this interaction, the next part of it is so cinematic. Like, yeah. this is this is like a Western train robbery level of mm-hmm. epic. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, what ends up happening next is they do. Jake gets them to a ravine or gully ditch, whatever, um, and they tumble in there. And the horcruxer that are trailing them do run right past because they kind of jumped off the side of the trail. That old trick. Um, the, the hork go past, so they are coming up behind them now, and Jake's going like, okay, you've got a fire coming in on one side, enemies in front, you're gonna have to fight your way out of this. And so they come up behind the, the hork warriors, and are trying to get through to the edge of the ravine to jump, like, you know, that way. And, uh, I have to retcon that a little bit, because that's kind of a spoiler. But yeah, so they, they go up, they're coming up behind the hork warriors, and they're getting into this battle where they're slashing and dodging, but they're also taking a ton of damage. Like, Tobias's mm-hmm. leg gets, like, severed. Like, whatever the, whatever keeps it moving gets severed. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they're, they're going so fast that, like, human eyes can't see it. They're trading blows in seconds. And Tobias gets overwhelmed. And Jake steals Tobias's signature move and yeah. pulls a dive and slashes some eyes out. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. This was epic. And it's it's extra epic because it's a peregrine falcon doing it. Like Oh yeah. Oh. That's just gotta hurt. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so um, that he comes, does a signature move. That gives Tobias just enough time to kind of get out of dodge and start running. And even with his bum leg, he's able to use his, like, his stump tail to, to hobble along. But Rachel, of course, pulls ahead because, you know, she's got two legs, two working legs. And uh, Rachel goes running towards the edge of this ravine, and she just jumps off the, the edge of the cliff, like, into space and is gone. And Tobias's hearts, because Horek-Bajor have more than one hearts, they're in his throat as he approaches this ledge. And there's fire on one side. There's enemies behind him. There's smoke all over here, like, smoke so thick that Tobias is kind of losing sight of Rachel as she's running. And then Jake goes, oh, no, I didn't see him in the smoke. And Visor 3 comes out of the thick cloud, blocking the edge of the ravine that he was about to run off and he and visor three are kind of looking at each other and he knows he can't take him in a battle and then tobias makes this crazy split second split second decision and starts running at visor three screaming ket Helpek free and visor three knows he can kill tobias and is feeling cocky but then realizes that tobias isn't running towards him to kill him He's running towards him to knock him off the edge of the cliff with him. <laughs> so Tobias is hurtling towards him, about to take him, you know, off the edge of the cliff. And Visor 3 just steps aside, and that's fine. Tobias just keeps going. And as he's falling, an arm reaches out and grabs him and pulls him underneath the edge of the cliff. And it's Marco's arm is Big Jim. <laughs> Big Jim. <laughs> Big Jim. And uh, it turns out Tobias only fell a few feet before he was grabbed. They're in a little kind of cave that's right under the edge of where the ravine ends, which is awesome and very that, convenient. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that was lucky. He knew where to jump. It was super lucky. Well, I imagine Jake was leading them, too. Yeah. But, yeah, it. I mean, a couple feet to either side, too far out, you get too much clearance. Yeah. Yeah, that could have been bad. It could have been really bad. And as far as the Yerks knew, it was really bad because when they looked over the edge at the bottom of the ravine were two hork bodies being attacked and eaten by wolves. <laughs> Which was convenient. Yeah, so, like, were they just kind of, like, hiding down there? And then when Rachel jumped off and got caught, like, like um, Jera ran out there and, like, you know, pretended to be dead. Yeah. And then when... Okay. Yeah. They, that's, that was the plan. They orchestrated it. Yeah, they totally orchestrated it. It was another one of those moments where, like, one of the Animorphs was like, I have a plan, and they were like, we don't tell you, the reader, the plan, and then here's the yeah. plan. Yeah. Yeah, because it would be redundant. Yeah, exactly. And boring to hear it just described instead of sure. just to act through it. But yeah, and they're actually, like, apparently tearing at the hork in the bottom of the canyon, and they're like, they'll heal fast. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Ow. Good acting. Yeah. So, um, Visor 3 monologues. <laughs> he does. He does. He can't resist a good monologue. He really can't. He's such a good villain. Um, I didn't write down any of his monologue. I just said, Q monologue. And then my next <laughs> note is, after Visor 3 had finished his monologue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, basically but, yeah basically blah 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 this is what happens when you think you can be free you end up dying like those idiots and the wolves will have their dinner the end yeah, yeah. um so once the yerks moved off they all crawl out of their hiding places or like get up from their where they're pretending to be dead and 
and they reconvene on this little edge of the cliff. Um, and they continue their journey to find the Valley of the Horkbizure. <laughs> the Great Valley! The Great Valley! Oh, no. So they're going on their, <laughs> on their journey to, to the valley, to find the Great Valley. And uh, Tobias was able to lead them there. He knew where it was from the memories that the Elemis had planted in his head. And it truly was something of an Eden. Uh, the whole team is in awe. It's just this amazing place with, you know, beaches and lakes and, and all these environments and all the bark that the hork could want to eat. And the hork then say this is the perfect place to have their children. And they're once again in awe of the idea that the first free hork are are going to be born into freedom because of what they just did. And this is a reality now that these kids are going to be born. Aw. Yeah. The baby Jesus. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh, how that gets so much more accurate as we go. Um, oh, no. Yeah, so after a short stay there, um, everyone leaves. Tobias was the last one that kind of hung out, and he was exploring, like, some caves around there and saying, like, this is where you can hide if anybody ever comes here and make sure you don't leave and, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but finally he does leave, and he gets back to his meadow, and he was just relieved to be back there, which I think says a lot about his quick arc from the Elemis not giving him his human body to him going back to his meadow as a hawk and being happy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, he spends the next day completely avoiding everybody and everything and just thinking. And he's going about his usual routine of scouting and hunting and and he was just contemplating his old life and, and how he's like, oh, well, what would I do if I was a human? Go back to my aunt and uncle who hate me and don't know my name and would just switch me around and and what did the Elemis really take away from me if anything and and after he finally kind of settles in for the night and goes to sleep he's he's roused to a weird sight and it is him as a hawk in his old bedroom with him in it (laughs) and he checks his Star Trek calendar (laughs) (laughs) because he has one of those and uh, he sees it's the day before they met Elfangor in the construction site and his old self wakes up and he goes, this is just a dream, but he, he kind of knows why he's there. And Tobias, the Hawk advises himself to walk home with Jake through the construction site the next day. Uh, and then he acquires himself. He says, Oh, it's a, it's fine. Hold out your arm kind of a thing. He, he perches on there and acquires his DNA. Um, and then gets out of there, and the Elemis issues him a warning. The two-hour time limit still applies, and and basically this is still a morph. This is not you. This is a morph. So if you stay here for more than two hours, you'll be stuck as a human, and you won't be able to morph. Yeah. Um, and then the Elemis asks him two questions. He goes, have I kept my promise? And Tobias replies, yes. And then he asks, are you happy, Tobias? And there's no answer. The chapter ends. Yeah. But that's not where the book ends. That's just where the chapter ends. The final chapter is Tobias um, morphs to his human morph. And he sneaks in to the school to watch Rachel win her award. He showed up late, but he had to because he couldn't approach the two-hour time limit. What uh, fucking ceremony takes two hours? Oh my god, graduation. Yeah, but this is, like, not... Uh, whatever. I know. It's probably just a really long... 
long ceremony. They had to go through all the grades. They're like, we gave a half day for this. We're going to use our four goddamn hours. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, Tobias sneaks in. Um, A teacher notices him there, but she gives him a look like she knows him, but doesn't really know where she can place him from. And uh, finally, Rachel is the last one to leave and to get her award. And as she's walking out, she sees Cassie and Cassie gives her a wink. Um, She passes Marco and Marco kind of gives her like a a bow and and she laughs and and he he also is cracking up. Um, And then she sees Tobias and is walking and then kind of does a double take and looks again. And he says, hi, Rachel. And that's the end of the book. Uh... So, my final question to you before we get into everything else is, do you think he's happy? Honestly, again, when I was talking before about the fact that he became okay with being a hawk, and he, you know, he he fully acknowledges, like, the things that were shitty about human life, but also the things he really liked about human life. And I kind of feel like this... I mean, it's still not, it's not the ideal compromise, but it's Mm -hmm. still a good compromise that he can be a human sometimes. Yeah. Which I don't know how that's going to play out in the future. If he's going to be like, oh shit, I I really miss being human. I really want to be human all the time, but I can't and I'm going to have angst over this. Like, I don't know. But I feel like for now, that's a really, that's a good situation. Yeah. Like much better off than he was. Yeah, Um, I agree with that. And even if he didn't have his human morph, like, the fact that he got his morphing powers back were, was, it's just so integral to yeah. <laughs> what the team is and what's going to happen. Like, it, it's basically, like, a whole, how many of them is, there was five when they started, so 20% of the team, of course, then they got axed, so it's, it's what, like, you know, a percent, a huge percentage of the team being yeah. unable to morph and unable to participate in a lot of things was mm-hmm. really detrimental. But that being said, he also is the best scout and the best aerial support <laughs> that they could yeah. ask for. Yeah. So that makes me wonder if he's going to kind of remain the scout or if he's going to try and do more, a variety of other things. And if they're going to have to, you know, train him a little bit. I don't know. Well, yeah, and it, I mean, as far as this team goes, I mean, they, they're probably going to do all of that. They're probably going to try different things and see what works and what sticks and, and what doesn't just because that's their style. Yeah. They do, they screw up until they find something that works and then they improve upon it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll see. And it probably depends too on, on what the mission is because... I mean, there's somewhere having a hawk, as good as it is to have the aerial support, and they'll probably, what, fall back into old roles sometimes. Old, yeah. Their old roles, because you do as a human. That's a human trait. But um, on missions where you having a hawk is not at all beneficial or even possible, it, I mean. <laughs> it's like it's like in hockey, like there's going to be situations where they're going to need six battle morphs instead of five. <laughs> so... <laughs> It's like when you pull the goalie. Oh, to no. <laughs> Sorry. That's a really weird analogy, but. Uh. Uh. Yeah, the tides are going to turn now that Tobias can morph again. 
Yay, I'm so proud of him. I'm proud of him too. And next book is gonna next book is the very first book that I ever read of Animorphs. So Oh, the Cassie one? The Cassie one. So I'm super Wait. excited for it. It is um it's nostalgia at its finest. I probably won't flip out as much as I did with um, the reaction because that was like, that's quintessential Animorphs for me, but, but it was my first introduction to Animorphs and it is chock-a-block full of nineties references that will blow your mind and make you laugh. And also the most immature humor of any of the Animorphs books. Oh, Oh, speaking of that, um, <laughs> this book this book was really hilarious. Like, oh, there was yeah. some really good banter in this book, especially with Axe. Marco had some good ones too, but Axe really yeah. was he was killer in this book. I fucking okay. There's one exchange that I loved, which was Tobias and Axe when they were talking. I think they were talking outside the Horkbajir cave. Mm-hmm. Um, or Tobias said something like, yeah, and eagles may fly out of my butt. And <laughs> Axe goes, is that possible? <laughs> he looks super concerned. <laughs> yeah, that's the one where um, the next yeah. part of that exchange is where he's like, no, it's funny because it's so it's so impossible. And Axe goes, I understand. And he goes, Axe did not understand. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that exchange. It was so oh. funny. Like, I, there's a couple of points in my in my notes where I say this book is hilarious. Yeah. Oh my god. And the this one wasn't meant to be funny, but the part of the book where they all start morphing human, and then Axe comes like galloping out of the woods, like an like enraged butler with bags of shoes to hand out to all the kids. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was so good. I forgot about that. That was so funny. It was such a like weird thing. Like. Oh, oh my god. So funny. <laughs> <Rage> butler. <laughs> he, he was. He just came like angrily galloping with like shoes like I'm here to distribute these. Like <laughs> it's just so good. Oh my god, I love that. Uh, I love Axe. I love him too. <laughs> Is he still oh, your favorite? No. I think so. That's totally fair. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right, people, join us on Facebook because our Andalite Bandalites group is starting to get bumping. Um, and that is our, our group where we do polls and I post weird stuff about what I do personally, which I'm realizing now is more strangers to join is probably not good. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> but we post, like, animal facts and cool articles we find yeah or and or memes uh, or or memes i like yeah. posting um rejected quotes from the casey quotes that i do a week before <laughs> we release our episodes <laughs> so i sometimes post the rejects in that group which are just as good such as um until the dice read five or eight in the blade, blade ship you must wait which was a fucking gem that's another jimaji reference it, it, we were yep, about that. yep. Um, so seriously, the Andalite Bandalites group is, is, um, a lot of fun. And then we also have the Animorphs Anonymous page, which is where I post more, I don't want to say formal things, but it's a little more structured and you just really get my bad, bad jokes with every episode that we post. (laughs) They're bad. They're great. They're They're terrible. Have you read them? They're fine. (laughs) They're awful. Fine. Ah, oh, so uh, that's that's where you can find us on Facebook. Where else can you find us? 
you can find us at Twitter, which I've been really bad about updating, but <laughs> I will stop that at once. But dog. the jokes are way better on Twitter. I I, I try I try my hand at, at writing funny things, and sometimes it works out, I guess. It does. So, the, come the find us at Twitter. The skunk one was particularly good. Which is, oh, what, what was the skunk one? I forgot it. I don't now. even remember what I wrote. I just remember Fuck. it being particularly good. If you want to find out what the skunk one was, you can follow <laughs> us at, at Animorphs Anon. Yeah. What was that? That was um, work email. Just ignore it. Pretend it Boo. never happened. Boo. Boo. <laughs> not my Animorphs podcast. <laughs> not my Animorphs. Uh. Uh, we also have a website, www.animorphsanonymous.com. <laughs> HTTP colon. Oh, yeah. Backslash back. No, I'm kidding. Just go to animorphsanonymous.com. Yeah, it's fine. Google, Google fix that. Out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also have an Instagram, which is at Animorphs Anonymous. Um, there's some jokes there. They're normally like kind of more, I don't know, better versions of what I post on the Facebook page. <laughs> um, so we have that. Uh, we also, what the hell else do we have? I think that's it for social media. Oh my God. <laughs> It's been a while. It has been um, a while. Uh, as far as where you can find us for listening, uh, you can find us at Google Play or iTunes or Podbean or Stitcher or Pocket Casts or actually Matt Googled um, Animorphs Anonymous earlier today. Yeah. The top like 20 hits, I think they're all us. So you can find us in the Google or the Bing <laughs> or the other search engine. The Ask Jeeves. The Ask. Is that still around? I have no idea. <laughs> the Yahoos. The Yahoos or... for sure. <laughs> Let's just name search engines we know now. The MSN. Um, That's a search engine. I, I, it has a search function. Oh, you can use web, Opera, I, I guess. You can use AOL. Ooh, AOL. Talk about the nineties. Yeah, I still um, have some of those CDs laying around earthlink.net oh god please don't use that <laughs> please whatever you do <laughs> oh god anyway you can find us anywhere because we're awesome yeah and we've almost taken over oh you know what we've taken over all the animal anonymous links except for one which is our email which if you want to send to us is is anonymous animorphs at gmail.com instead of animorphs anonymous because that's the only area where the yurks completely took over yeah, we lost that battle. We did lose that battle, but we have not lost the war. And if you email that address, I have a really good response rate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I write goddamn dissertations back to you. So a lot of people email us and they're like, I'm really sorry I went on for a while. And I'm like, please. And you're like, here's five pages. I know, right? I'm like, let me outdo you. No, I'm kidding. That's not why I respond. I really, I I. I think it is mostly me on email just because I'm worried about Casey getting spoilers. So um, she reads them, but not until I approve <laughs> yeah, them. She has to screen them first. Yeah, I screen them. But um, yeah, I, I love longer-winded emails. I will respond with a long-winded email. I am totally happy to keep up communication. So please, if you are choosing to email us and you're like, oh, God, it, it's going to go on for a while, do not worry. It's wonderful. I love it. And thank you to everyone who has emailed me already. Woo! Shall we wrap this up? Let's wrap it up. Let's... What can we say from this book? Let's go and find ourselves in our bed talking to our past selves from when we started this podcast going, 
truly, it will be fine. Episode three won't delete all of itself and make you hate your life. It'll be a good time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. That's a dark time. That was a dark time from our histories. God. Yeah. But now we're back. Yay. So let's head out. All right. Bye, everybody. We'll see you next time for Cassie's book. Goodbye, audience. I will only ask you one thing. Are you happy?